Hello. I'm here talking to Kendall. I'm here talking to Annie. Today I'm talking about two stories of extremely wicked and shockingly vile doctors. Content warnings are for a lot of blood stuff, sexual assault, and continuous mention of Tignataro. Sources are in the show notes. Everything is alleged, but this is definitely Tell No One. Enjoy! Okay, we're doing two stories. They have an overarching theme of, like, doctors gone bad. Doctor evil. Doctor evil. Doctor <laughs> evil, yep. But they're each one individually is probably not long enough, so I'm blending them together. I think that's good. Okay, so first one. We're in Kipling, Saskatchewan, Canada. Very small town, like a thousand people. The kind of Canada town where they pay people to come live there? Yeah, and they say A a lot. So both of these stories, um, I remember from Forensic Files, but bottom line, everyone knows everyone, that type of vibe. No one knows who's a doctor. Everyone knows their doctor and respects them a lot, if you know what I mean. Okay. And will not believe any accusers. (laughs) Oh, fuck. All right. (laughs) What have they been, impregnating everybody? No. Okay. Um, it's Halloween 1992. Candy, not her real name, but that's what she goes by in like all of her media things that she does. So she's working at a gas station. Her boyfriend stops by. They get in a huge fight. She's so distraught that she drives to see her friend who works at Kipling Memorial Hospital. Her friend is not there working at that time. So strange move. Wait, what year are we in? 92. And you didn't know where people were. You you like looked for them manually. Yeah, you drove around all your town. <laughs> so a nurse says like that Candy looks so distraught and like upset that she should like see a doctor. Wow. Okay. Like forty eight hour hold. I wrote this is what happens when you have free healthcare. Oh my god, you're not only. paying for it. <laughs> you have to have like a leg hanging off, and someone's like, you should probably go to like the minute clinic. I'll drive myself to urgent care. <laughs> yeah. So Doctor John Schneeberger is on duty that night. Mm. he's candy's like primary care physician and he actually delivered her baby at the hospital mm-hmm. um he's like on call at this hospital this night. Oh, okay he recommends a sedative for her because he's like you are so distraught she says she's interviewed in forensic files and says i was so mad at danny her boyfriend i could have i said i could have killed him so she's like people were kind of like you're really acting up mm-hmm. and she said but i didn't mean i'd actually go out and kill him you talk you say things so he gives her an injection and she went numb almost immediately she said she felt like a piece of jelly and like oh could not move I've her muscles never heard anyone uh <laughs> talk about a piece of jelly <laughs> like a, a square of jelly yeah. all right uh, she said she tried to like scream out but nothing would come out oh my god i'm really can you feel the terror? Yeah. That is like uh, when you hear about people who have had surgery and they can yes. feel it, but they cannot for the life of them tell anybody. Yeah. So she is going in and out of consciousness, but she believes during this time that she was raped by the doctor. She's like, I wasn't totally there, but like, I know something like, I just know it wasn't right. Okay. So she regains consciousness in the exam room and has the, the, um, Presence of mind. Presence of mind to place her underwear in an airtight bag that she finds in the room. My God. Right. But she's still so like loopy that the nurses have her stay overnight. I'm I mean, I can't blame them. I'm sure to them they're like, here's a girl who cannot drive home. Right. Like we gotta keep her. Give her a bed, yeah. yeah. So she actually confronts Dr. Schneeberger the next day and said, What the hell was that that you gave me? Uh-huh. And he said, Why? Did it give you wild dreams? 
Oh, fuck you. And she said, this is when she said, this is when I knew I had a problem. He's already covering up, eh? Her parents say, you could tell something bad happened to her, eh? Oh my God. Her dad said, I was really hoping it wasn't true, eh? She drove to Regina. Fine. (laughs) (laughs) To a rape clinic for testing like the next day. Yeah. Um, They found semen on her underwear, her jeans, and on a vaginal swab that they did. And blood tests revealed that the drug Versed, which is a pre-anesthetic, was in her blood. Wow. And it leaves you, like, unable to move your muscles. And she wanted, what, a Valium? Yeah. She didn't really want it. (laughs) Yeah. She wanted to see her friend. (laughs) Right. Uh, She wanted to vent. And they were like, what if we knocked you out for a day and a half? Like, Jesus Christ. Fuck. On the Canadian taxpayer's tab, I guess. Wow. (laughs) So there's no mistaking. She was absolutely raped. Yeah. So she formally accuses him. Mm -hmm. Almost everyone in the community thinks she's lying. Well, fuck the community. They say she's probably romantically interested in this married doctor or she wants a financial settlement because, you know, rape victims are notoriously very wealthy. Rape victims get treated better than before. That is unbelievable. The idea that people are like, well, she probably had a crush on him. Yeah. What? So I dreamed up he raped me. Yeah. And that'll get (laughs) him. I don't know how to tell you this, but that's not really what our fantasies are like. (laughs) So and they also point out that she didn't tell any of the nurses in the hospital that I could barely talk. Right. Exactly. And a a police officer says they didn't see anything amiss in the room afterwards. When I'm asking, what would you expect to see? It's like he wrote like, I raped in here on the walls. Like, <laughs> yeah. what, you, what sign are you what looking would it for? Have been? And by the way, like, yeah, because he gave her a strong sedative before. Yeah. There wasn't like a, a kind a of fighting. Like, thing. Right. Exactly. Yeah. If you're thinking it would be all the room would be fucked up. Yeah. Well, yeah, he literally knocked her out like for surgery. Borderline. Yeah. Right. OK, so he willingly gives his blood for a DNA test and it does not match the semen from her rape kit. So Candy is convinced that someone tampered tampered with with the sample me too he's a doctor right so he agrees to a second test in 1993 um the blood is drawn by a nurse the test is monitored by the police and the vials are taken directly to the lab they watch the needle go into his skin and it does not match her rape kit again what the fuck he also says that the drug that he gave her can cause erotic hallucinations. Okay. <laughs> erotic? How erotic. dare you? <laughs> she had a sexy dream, is what you're saying, about her sexual assault. Right. So in 1994, the police closed the investigation because they're like, he, his DNA twice did not match. Like, I don't know what to say. And the hard thing is, like, I, I do get that for, from their point of view, they're like, I literally don't know what, what we can do anymore. Right. They're right? like, I'm sorry. Like, I don't want to give up on it, but doesn't seem like it happened right so she hires a pi good for her she is not letting this she's like the crazy yeah she's fun as hell in her forensic files episode Mm -hmm. um so she hires a pi he gathers hair from dr schneeberger's car but there are no roots attached so they can't test it he finds lip balm in the car um and at her own expense she has the cells at the end of the lip balm tested and the dna from the bomb matches the dna from the rape kit well what the fuck but, so this evidence could not be used in a court of law because they didn't have an arrest they warrant. They got it illegally. Yes. Yeah. The PI broke in and stuff. And they couldn't prove it was like his lip balm either. Sure. But like, she knows she's not crazy. And that right. is valuable. Yeah. Her whole family was like, we were very happy. 
Yeah. So she files a civil suit and she ends up sitting across the table from his wife in like a deposition or something. And she says, she was looking at me like, you little bitch, you're ruining our lives. And I just kept thinking, oh my God, you're so stupid. (laughs) (laughs) You're so stupid. And if you don't watch it, it's going to happen to your kids too. Oh my God. Yeah. Candy's not fucking around. So he agrees to another DNA test. Okay. What, what is going on? I'll tell you'll find out. (laughs) (laughs) The procedure was taped by the police and was performed at the lab. So the nurse wants to take blood from his finger, but he says, I have a rare disease that would cause my hands to bruise. So you have to do it for my left arm. Uh, wait, what the fuck? Yeah. To be clear, I have no idea what you're going to tell me. Like, <laughs> yeah. What the fuck has been going on? Yeah. So the nurse inserts the needle into his left arm and nothing like comes out at first. No. What, what is he done? <laughs> she tries another tube, still has trouble, but eventually she gets a full blood sample. But she's... Later on, she's still being filmed and is looking at the blood. And she says, it's strange. His blood doesn't really look fresh. But how does blood work? (laughs) So they try to um, test this DNA and they say it's too degraded to test. And Candy's like, are you fucking kidding me? By the way, whichever arm he tells you to go to, go to the other. Right. But the problem is, is because this is a voluntary on his part. He can kind of dictate it. He can say, no, I want it in this arm. Okay. So April 25th, 1997, this is five years after the assault. And Schneeberger's stepdaughter comes forward and says that he had been assaulting her for years. Oh my fucking God. He had been coming into her room at night and giving her injections. His wife discovered a box full of condoms, needles, and Versed in his home office, the same drug that he used on candy. So now he was arrested and ordered to undergo a DNA test, and it was videotaped again, and they took samples from his blood, hair, and saliva, and the blood was taken from his finger and not his arm. Mm-hmm. All three DNA samples matched Candy's sample now. Wow. Good so for his daughter. Right. Um, so he was arrested, obviously. The fuck for candy gadget did he have going? <laughs> he was arrested for candy and for his stepdaughter. Yep, good. So on the stand, he revealed how he managed to dupe the tests. He had surgically inserted a plastic tube <gasps> under the surface of his skin with blood from one of his patients. <laughs> oh no, that is he could put together a really good Halloween costume. Yeah, right. Like the yeah, yeah. The score the he blood. Could, like, yeah. Um. And in the video of him doing the one of the tests, he like carefully only lifts it to a little bit, but he for one second like lifts it too high and you can see a huge like tube under his skin. And that's why the blood was so like old looking because it was not fresh blood. I really feel ill. We're not both of us are not good with blood or um, veins. It's it's veins really that are the problem. Yeah. Uh, That is absolutely gnarly. gnarly as hell so he still denies raping candy he said that candy broke into his home stole a used condom to frame him oh man you're going down anyway she says quote i was a bulldog on the stand i (laughs) i kicked his lawyer's ass he was supposed to be the best lawyer in southern saskatchewan while i showed him who's boss (laughs) i love her (laughs) um he was found guilty of raping candy drugging her and obstructing justice he was also convicted of assaulting his stepdaughter and he gets how long eight years six you are fucking kidding me his daughter four he served less time than it took to her candy to figure out how to like handle this kendall four years he served he won parole um come on everybody we have like a serial rapist yeah like how many people has he done this to that just like don't maybe don't remember it at all right like he didn't think that candy would remember it at all right she like shouldn't have right 
So he moved. He he's let out of prison after four years. He's paroled. Um, he moved to Regina, the same town where Candy was living. He had been stripped of his medical license, obviously. Mm. Um, and he worked as like a carpenter for a while. Um, but after a little while, he's originally from South Africa and Zambia. He had applied for Canadian citizenship in 1993 and failed to disclose that he was being investigated for rape at the time of his application. So he was going to be deported. South Africa. No, he like he's been living in Canada and is applying for citizenship, mm. but he didn't put all of this on there. So they moved to deport him back to South Africa. But he has like character witnesses who testify that he's like a great guy. Oh, my God. His friends began a letter writing campaign urging the immigration minister to reverse the deportation order so he would have a chance to say goodbye to his biological daughters. And they won. How? His wife, who was Lisa Dillman, after her divorce, was ordered to allow his biological daughters, her daughters, ages five and six, to see him. She had paid $2,000 for contempt of court previously for refusing to take them to see their father in jail, but she ultimately obeyed the visitation order. Yeah, what's she going to do? She said, quote, at least I can say to my girls when they're older that I tried. They will know that mommy at least tried to keep us away from him. I still blame myself. Maybe if I had believed Candy, none of this would have happened to my daughter. Oh, it isn't your fault, girl. Right. But I mean, probably we true. shouldn't believe Candy. <laughs> yeah, but like, believe Candy always. Uh, I, I mean, like there aren't words for how people don't care what happens to women. Right. Like they don't give a fuck. So he does get deported to South Africa. The man, once affectionately known as Dr. John in Canada, became known as Dr. Rape in South Africa. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> he tried to join the Health Professions Council of South Africa so he could work in some field of medicine again, but he mm. withdrew his application. His brother, Bill Schneeberger, is a cardiothoracic surgeon, tried to get him back on his feet. He maintained that the charges against his brother are false. Quote, I don't believe my brother is a saint, but I know he is not a fool. And a rape in a consulting room where you've asked two nurses to join you is ridiculous. That's the that's the argument you're going to take? Really? Like, like he's not, not my, that stupid. My brother is a good guy. My brother would never hurt anybody. My brother is not dumb enough to rape a girl at, at work. work. <laughs> <laughs> my brother would never rape a girl at, at work. work. Okay. Right. You know your brother is a bad guy, huh? Mm-hmm. But you think maybe he didn't rape Candy. Right. But what about the your niece that right. he was raping? nothing no feeling about that also like his friends with the letter writing campaign who the fuck are you like do you think they probably think she's lying all of them men be defending each other that is so crazy you're fucking kidding nothing bothers me more than people are like he would never i'm like you have no idea what anyone's capable of or even like they're writing um like attesting to his character like you don't know you're writing like he's never raped in front of me okay right don't care I believe that means nothing. Right. Why do you think like you are the arbiter of who should not be convicted of rape? You know what I mean? Yeah. And what do you know? Do you think you know the truth of like a person's soul? That's what you literally never do. That's so like egocentric of you that he's like being his true self around you. Idiot. You fucking idiot. (laughs) Or like you frankly don't care that much. Right. And your blinders I don't want to believe that my friend's a rapist. And so I don't. None of us do. Wake up, sister. Okay. (laughs) All right. So he goes to live with his mother in South Africa, and that's pretty much it. Um, He's still around. I mean, he's alive. He's not in jail, but he's in South Africa. I don't think he's practicing anything. Well, Dr. Rape, I don't think he's got a lot going for him at the moment. Right. Okay. Next doctor, Anthony Pignataro. Huh. Really 
Um, Italian? No. Tig Nataro. Tig Nataro? <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Anyway. So Anthony was the son of Ralph Pignataro, who is was a respected surgeon in Buffalo, New York. He obviously wanted to father... Uh, follow in the father. Yeah. He obviously wanted to follow in his father's footsteps. They all... I feel that they're all doing that. They are. Like the other guy, he had a brother who was a surgeon right. too. Like, Do you want to do this? You guys don't have to do this. You can become anything, dude. Right. It's all right. Um, so he was rejected from almost, well, from every U.S. medical school that he applied to. So he enrolled at the San Juan School of Medicine in Puerto Rico. Okay. He met who would be his future wife, Debbie, um, and she waited for him to finish school. And they finally married in 1985. But within the first year of their marriage, uh, a mutual friend tipped her off that he was cheating on her. Mm. She took her father's advice to forgive him once and that, <laughs> that Anthony deserved another chance. She's like, dad oh my god yeah so okay. she took her father's advice to let him cheat on her one time once did your mother did it for me debbie <laughs> <laughs> and like we've been married a year it is not like we've we've put to, we have a life and a family and children like, and like it would be you, you've made one mistake in a decade it, this right. is like no we're newlyweds and he cannot not fuck other people right it's like this should still be kind of exciting for us right what are we doing what dad? are we doing hey dad why are you involved <laughs> dad i should never have brought this up to you <laughs> so he's um working in hospitals but his co-workers are like he's the dumbest doctor i've ever seen they said that he has some scary gaps in his knowledge scary yeah so he opens up his own plastic surgery practice he makes a fortune doing breast implants and other procedures okay so he I hope also, he doesn't do anything more complicated than that he doesn't but it doesn't matter <laughs> <laughs> so he actually also invented um the snap-on toupee <laughs> which was held in place by four bolts drilled into your skull oh <laughs> He drilled bolts and then it. attached like on Frankenstein. Head. He had one. He did it himself. He was his own test subject. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Be bald, brother. Be bald. Or there's like you, other things you can do. Rogaine. Like anything. Transplant. A regular toupee. <laughs> <laughs> snap on toupee as if you are a Lego. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly that. It's the oh Lego head. Oh my God. Exactly. What a weird idea. Stuck to his head like a helmet. You're <laughs> <laughs> okay. So he is very concerned with money. Uh, so he skimps on overhead costs. He hired a licensed practical nurse instead of a registered nurse and a high school student instead of like a real person to help him during procedures. <laughs> like a te- that's someone's She's like 17. high school job. It's her internship. Yeah. <laughs> okay that i worked at subway right and you are a a what surgical assistant (laughs) (laughs) okay so this is crazy for her 39th birthday terry lamardi was this is off this is not even part of this like the bad part but i'm gonna take issue with this she was gifted a dream present by her husband oh fuck off a A mommy makeover a gift certificate for liposuction oh to the moon she had quote tried everything to shed her postpartum weight but not even continuous jogging seemed to get rid of her belly yeah you housed a human in your belly it's skin sis oh my god and the fucking nerve the gall we thought the peloton ad was bad get a little of this wow here honey you're so disgusting a gift for you you. is it a gift for you the gift that keeps on giving 
to me, you being thinner. That's so sad. Like, I just feel bad for this woman. Like, no, that she really... doesn't think this is a problem. This is not the bad part of the story <laughs> at all. She just said that. Like, isn't that nice? So I went to my consultation. Like, oh my God, we deserve better. I can't actually get over that. So she goes to her consult with cosmetic surgeon, Dr. Anthony Pignataro. She said she felt completely calm. <laughs> what did I not say? Dr. Anthony Tignataro. <laughs> she felt completely calm and comfortable with the doctor. She said I had absolutely no misgivings or doubts about Dr. Tignataro. <laughs> In 19 June 1997, Ned, good for nothing husband, drops her off for her liposuction appointment at 8:30 a.m. Ned, what do you look like? Yeah, let me see. Lift up your shirt, Ned. Yeah. Me, let me see what you're drop, working with, Ned. Drop your drawers, Nate. <laughs> Nate. <laughs> okay. So, after taking, quote, a handful of pills. No, not even an injection. Take these. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Ned, come back. Ned, come I bet a part of why she's not alarmed or feeling comfortable enough to be like hey no right is because ned wanted her to do it ned wanted her to do it and we trust doctors like we just do of course i mean if the, i wouldn't if be like, the, like building looked good i would trust him and that is and truth. Like, he's licensed or what he has a thing on the wall he has patients who are alive like what what, what do year? i know <laughs> what year are we in 97 we can't even fucking google it no yeah so um she was brought to the quote surgery center which was a basement <laughs> located down two flights of stairs which was far from the sterilized operating room that she expected wow she said quote they plopped me down in this chair i was trying to tell them something's wrong here i don't want to do this but i had no control over anything oh no the last thing she remembered was audibly moaning when she woke up hours later at 5 p.m she was in the waiting room fully dressed ned picked her up and when she got home there was so much blood pouring down her legs that her daughter had to soak it up with the mop uh, it gets worse. How? Cause Examining her abdomen. Just a minute. On the okay. Blood. It carries on this way. Yeah, for a little while. For okay. Like half a page. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Ned, you motherfucker. Yeah. Do I look good now, Ned? Yeah. You like this? I'm in a pool of blood. <laughs> oh my god. So examining her abdomen, Terry saw approximately eighteen to twenty-two staples across her stomach. But the incisions had not been closed. <gasps> Quote, there were gaping wounds like the edges weren't together. Like you could stick a man's finger in these holes. Oh, my God. Give me a break. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> Give me a fucking lunch break, dude. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, you're telling me. He didn't actually sew up her incisions. No. He stapled them as if it were like Arts I don't crafts, <laughs> crafting. I mean, there's a way to do this the right way, and he didn't. Yeah, I think the right way would be sewing the incision but shut, not having holes. Stapling, yeah, is for when you have a cut. Right. Right. Yeah. So she called her doctor. He said that the blood was excess surgery fluid and that they had nothing to worry about. He told her to rest and he would check in in the morning. Okay. My question, like, he knows he, she could die, right? Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a he's person a doctor. on earth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, he knows that like, okay, I left her when I, when I left her, she had gaping holes in her belly. Yeah. I don't know what he thinks, how this is going to turn now. Well, he, does he think she's going to die? I don't know. He might just be like, she'll heal. But 
this wasn't a natural thing that occurred. Right, right. Like she needs medical intervention to heal because something you cut her open. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If you get cut open like that in nature, you would like fucking die. Yeah. You need to close it. I can't believe you have to tell him that. (laughs) You need to close it? (laughs) So after a night's sleep, she was in even more pain, and they rushed her to the emergency room. How did she even, like, lay down? I don't know. This poor woman. Functioning. Doctors there discovered that during the procedure, he had nicked her intestine. (gasps) Okay. And she was fighting a brutal infection. Shut up. Obviously. Shut up for a minute. (laughs) (laughs) So the sutures that were placed by Dr. Pignataro had cut off all blood supply to her abdomen, causing it to rot. Okay. Sutures be- sutures are when he sewed things up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he had sewn the wrong areas. I think he just was wildly stapling. Like, I think he was just, like, kind of wildly closing things up and, like, was kind of sloppy and cut off blood supply where he shouldn't have and didn't close where he should have. Where any doctor would have known not yeah. to. Uh, <laughs> Okay. She was left with a four-inch hole that was half an inch deep and spent the next few days recovering in the hospital with an IV. She um, lives, obviously. So while still admitted in the hospital, she was woken up at one night around 2 a.m. Her visitor was none other than Dr. Pignataro, who was holding her chart and screaming at her and telling her to go home. What? Yeah, he's like, you're fine. Get out of here. (laughs) Doctor. (laughs) How did he get in? At 2 a.m. I bet he's like, hi, guys, I'm doctor. I'm going to go see a patient and just goes up to her room and screams at her. No, no, no. By the way, Ned, where are you? For real. Nurses quickly intervened and had him leave and she was discharged days later. Mm -hmm. So that's that. She lived. She lives. I'm shocked by that, hon. I know. Oh, my God. You happy, Ned? The horror is like, I'm sure. I mean, the horror is that she almost died. But part of what would be annoying to me is like, now she looks worse. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm sure she has like a scar. Yeah, and probably a pretty bad one. If they had to do like a second a revision, you know what I mean? To yeah. to like because he had done it wrong. Yeah. Um. So like they had to do like just a life saving stitch up. Yeah. <laughs> She's butchered. Oh my god, <laughs> I feel really rotten about that. So one of his patients, um, Sarah Smith is a 26-year-old mother of two, and she comes to him for a breast augmentation. As usual, he has no anesthesiologist or RN present for the surgery. During the surgery... (laughs) I didn't even think about... You should have an anesthesiologist. No, he's just doing it himself. He's not an anesthesiologist. That is like a kind of doctor. (laughs) Yes. It's very important. Very important. Yeah. We don't have that. He doesn't have one. We don't even care about that. Why would you pay one when I can just do it? Okay, man. I have the intern. You're not even a good regular doctor. Hey, no, I have the intern, though. She's a sophomore. She's here for C-period. Um, So during the surgery, he has Debbie Pignataro, his wife, who is an office assistant in the room, a licensed nurse who has only had six months of experience in a non-surgical setting, and the 17-year-old high school intern. That's who's in the room for the surgery. Sarah um, lets out an ouch during the surgery. Oh, my God. He orders to give her more drugs, and he gives her too much, and she starts shutting down. Oh, my God, Kendall, no. And another cost-cutting measure is he has no ventilator on the premises, so she dies. Yeah. He gave her too much Versed, the same kind of thing. Okay. Yeah, she it slowed her down and like paralyzed her so much she stopped breathing. And they didn't have a ventilator to breathe for her, so she died. And after this, it turns out he actually wasn't a board-certified plastic surgeon or even a qualified plastic surgeon at all. 
he had administered um, Sarah Smith's anesthetic improperly. Mm-hmm. And the New York State Health Board ended up charging him with 30 counts of professional misconduct. Misconduct. Mm-hmm. He says that this type of thing just happens. Like people die in surgery sometimes. It's just a thing. Quit acting like you know anything. Right. Who did you talk to that told you that? You don't know anything. He's like, it's inherent risk. Like, sorry. So he pleads guilty to criminally negligent homicide and receives six months in jail. Oh my God, you killed people. A $5,000 fine and community service. He loses his medical license and the judge notes that he would never practice medicine again anywhere in the world. So he comes home after this and his home was spray painted with like the word killer. Mm Mm-hmm. Whatever. So after his release, he obviously has trouble finding another job, but his wife, Debbie, stands by him. And his mom is rich and they help out the family financially because he can no longer be a doctor. He has another affair, but Debbie takes him back again. Debbie, quick word. Your dad said once. What's what's one more? In 1999, Debbie starts feeling ill with nausea and numbness of the limbs. She had severe pain. The symptoms were like coming and going. Um, but when they were bad, she like was confined to bed. Mm. she began having memory loss and needed to use a wheelchair at times a wheelchair (laughs) a wheelchair at times (laughs) but anthony says he talks to her doctors they don't know what's going on and he's like you know what you should do you should just remove her gallbladder and they're like no no we shouldn't they're like i don't think that would help one and two she's so weak that having surgery would absolutely kill her right and he's like well it happens sometimes (laughs) so her symptoms are coming on, coming and uh, coming back, whatever. Um, and her daughter experiences a little bit as well, but not nearly as bad as she does. So finally, one of her doctors did a hair test and found that Debbie had consumed over 29,000 milligrams of arsenic, one of the highest ever recorded in a living person. You could die from 50 to 100 milligrams. What does she have? 29,000. <gasps> <laughs> Debbie, you fucking foreign tough. <laughs> Oh my God, Debbie. Wow, girl. Wow. Whoa, <laughs> Nelly. Oh my God. I'm sure he's like, God like, damn are you, it. Are you fucking kidding? <laughs> yeah. He's got to be like, fucking hey. Like, I don't even have any more. Yeah. I can't keep buying this much. She's going to run me out of house and home. <laughs> <laughs> the arsenic bill. It's astronomical. <laughs> wow. Her daughter also had elevated levels. You're trying to kill me. So investigators first think she poisoned herself. Because we do that. <laughs> to kill an army. <laughs> to kill the United States Army. <laughs> you think I did that to me? Maybe when it wasn't working and I've used the world supply of arsenic, I, I would have moved on to a different way. So Anthony suggests that the family of Sarah Smith, the woman he murdered on the table, was poisoning Debbie to punish him. Do you even feel like that could be true, brother? Shut up. Think that workshop that, Anthony. You sound ridiculous. <laughs> and like, is it... A stranger? Are they finding their way into my home to put arsenic in my tea? Or is it my husband who's here all the time pouring it? Right. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> and he keeps looking at me with disbelief. He's <laughs> like, Debbie, are you alive? <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. So they asked the daughter, like, what did you eat the day that you got sick? She said she ate her mom's leftover soup. <gasps> 
And Debbie remembers that Anthony had made soup that day. You yeah. Know, bada bing, bada boom. So they study her hair again. And they see that she started receiving small doses of arsenic in May 1999. <laughs> Wait, hold on. What year are we? Um, I think we're still in 99. Okay, but do you think that... Um, hold on. I have a, I'm working on a theory. Do you think that by giving her small doses... That's exactly what happened. <laughs> Gave, gave her, her a tolerance, a yes. Tolerance. He, he made her immune. That's exactly because you don't know how things work. Yeah, because you're not a good doctor. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god! By the end of July, <laughs> she received a large dose, and she's like, "I think this is when he was like, Jesus Christ, will this do it? <laughs> Eighty times what is a fatal dose for a person he gave her." Oh my god! This well, I've been building up immunity. Yeah, this obviously this timeline excludes Sarah Smith's family. We all know that they didn't do anything. Obviously, the yeah. people in the lab who did her hair analysis asked when the funeral was. <laughs> they're like, "This bitch is alive." Okay, so they interview the daughter, and she says she remembers her dad setting around like little insect traps around the house. They contact the manufacturer of these traps, and they say, "Yeah, it does contain arsenic," and about four of them would kill a person Mm -hmm. about 6,585 would hurt Debbie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They found proof that he, um, bought something at a store in town that sold this type of thing. Okay. So the police point out that his mother forbade divorce and he would have been cut out of the will if he divorced Debbie. Um, also he began having an affair also, duh. No shit. They search his home and they find a manuscript titled MD mass destruction. (laughs) and it was about him losing his medical license and the grand conspiracy against him it's so funny what because you're rich and like no one cares that much about you like ruin your life i mean this is like doy but you have everything right you have everything right you have a rich family i'm sure you're white you have like a wife who will keep taking you back no matter how many fucked up things you do right you got away with murder she's also you got away with murder and you feel like you are the object of people's conspiracy yeah, Fuck your wife off. immortal as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is, by the way, you should be proud of her. That's really cool. <laughs> but another thing is like, yeah, he was making tons of money as a plastic surgeon. You can spend the money to get a ventilator. You can spend the money to get an RN. Like, you're really cutting corners like that? Well, yeah. You're that greedy? Like, yeah. And like, you actually do not care about human life. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah, I think yeah. that is the main thing is right. like, yeah, I could, but. One human life is not as valuable to me as like 10 grand. 10 grand. (laughs) Bottom line. (laughs) Okay. So the prosecution found evidence suggesting that Anthony hoped the arsenic poisoning would cause Debbie to die during surgery so that the medical establishment would see that it was normal for operations to kill people sometimes and he would thus be absolved for Sarah Smith's death. He would say, how could you accuse me? My own wife died under a doctor's care. Oh my God, you are cracked. Okay. (laughs) You don't need to prove to anybody that people die in surgery. We all know that. You showed us that. That isn't the issue. Right. The issue is that the people who've died with you had no reason they had to die. They would have lived. She would have lived. If they were with a real doctor, they would have lived. Duh. You don't need to do an anecdotal study (laughs) with your wife. I just not sign up for this. Yeah, uh, but it's like a study. You like tr- try to find something else, and you find out that your wife is actually immune to arsenic. Like yeah. limitations of this study. I did not set out to find the world's strongest woman, but I did. 
So he ended up pleading guilty to charges related to arsenic poisoning. The judge labeled the former surgeon's life, quote, a charade of misrepresentation, called him self-centered and manipulative, and said he showed disrespect for the value of human life. And he got 15 years. What? He was released in 2013 and returned to the Buffalo area, changed his name to Tony Hot. Guess how it's spelled? H-O-T-T? H-A-U-T-E. <laughs> and opened a business called Tony Hot Cosmetique. You're an injector? The company sold a line of skincare creams formulated from, quote, one's own DNA-derived plasma. Yeah. His website referred to him as a doctor. Yeah. The county district attorney subsequently opened a criminal investigation into his new venture, and he ended up taking down his website in 2017. He responded by stating that he had changed his name in an effort to make a new start. He apologized to his ex-wife and the Smith family, though he did not make any admissions of guilt. He is now living in Florida and is advertising himself as a geriatric caregiver. Oh, no. That's it. Wow. What the hell? (laughs) What the hell? I'm scared, guys. Oh, my fucking God. I'm actually like... Thank God we have Yelp now. You know what I mean? I guess so. Um, Anything to say? keep keep, Keep an eye out, old people. Right. Be careful. Be careful. Google your doctors. Well... Um, feel free to join me in absorbing that information. Feel free to share the information to old people. Tell them that your grandpa and grandmas. Everybody text your grandma. Right. I'm like, not joking. (laughs) Like, look out for old people. Yeah. They can't do things on their own. Right. Anyway, um, as the way you heard it, tell no one. Bye.